Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. We're here to support your company and your employees now and in the future. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to this week's Irish Times Business and Technology Podcast. I'm Tom Lyons and this week we're returning to the LuxLeaks story and the latest revelations of just how Luxembourg is used to reduce the tax rates and bills of big business right around the world. I'm joined in studio by Irish Times public affairs correspondent Colm Keena, who's been working on the story for the last seven months uh, with 80 other journalists in 26 countries going through tens of thousands of documents. And we're also joined on the line by Suzanne Lynch, the Irish Times uh, European correspondent, who's in Brussels to explain what it all means and what people are, go- are doing about it. Uh, Colm, I'll start with you. Uh, up until now, uh, the focus has been very much on big multinationals uh, working with PwC, the the well-known accountancy firm. Uh, Now things are beginning to broaden out a little bit. That's right. The the second batch of leaked documents is from a number of tax agents in Luxembourg operating for well-known multinationals over above PricewaterhouseCoopers. We have PricewaterhouseCoopers again, but we also have Deloitte, Ernst & Young, and and uh, even legal firms in Luxembourg and so on that, that most of us wouldn't have heard of, of uh, uh, involved in the same business of getting advanced tax agreements from this man, the former revenue official there called Marius Cole. And you've picked out uh, four companies uh, which have are international companies uh, but which have links to both Luxembourg and to Ireland. Uh, would you mind taking us through, you know, why you decided to pick these four companies as opposed to any others, Colm? Sure. Uh, firstly, I might say there's no um, indigenous Irish company in this uh, latest batch of uh, leaked documents. However, there are a number of uh, companies that have Irish subsidiaries and uh, Irish uh, companies here that are part of, that are linked to Luxembourg structures. Now, one of them is Skype. Uh, there's a company, an Irish company called Skype Limited, which owns the IP uh, um, for the intellectual property for Skype. And there were two, um, there are two uh, advanced tax agreements uh, with the Luxembourg authorities in the latest batch involving Skype. One was 2010, negotiated by Ernst & Young, and the second, 2009, negotiated by Deloitte. Um, and there's a company in Luxembourg as part of this structure that um, um, 
has a function in licensing out the use of the IP. Now, one of the striking things about this structure is there's mention in the, in, in the 2009 documents of what they call deemed royalty payments. So the Irish company would have a royalty-free uh, relationship with the with the Luxembourg company, which would forward license uh, the use of the the IP to other companies and charge them money, and then the royalty free use of the of the IP um, uh, from the Irish company is gets a deemed royalty payment attached to it, which serves to reduce the uh, profits or the book the taxable profits of the company in Luxembourg. And all of this is, of course, uh, perfectly legal. Uh, you've, you've also picked out another firm, column, which is Hutchinson Wamboa, which is, everyone would know here, they, they, they know it as the owner of Tree, uh, the mobile phone company, and they know it as a sponsor of things like the Point Depot. Yes, absolutely. There's no, there's no, um, no uh, allegation being made there's anything uh, illegal going on here. But what happened with Hutchinson Wamboa was that PricewaterhouseCoopers in 2007 approached the authorities in Luxembourg and said that this Hong Kong base, massive Hong Kong base fund, was going to invest in a lot of infrastructural uh, uh, businesses in uh, Europe and it wanted to set up a, a hub in Luxembourg. So it did and it has these treasury operations uh, in Luxembourg and there's mention in the documents of um, the companies having loans coming in and loans going out. This is one way that Luxembourg is used to reduce uh, tax bills outside Luxembourg and that there would be a tax charge of 0.015 on on this uh, true flow of um, of uh, finance. And you can see one of the companies in, the, in, in, the, in this structure making a profit of 429 million euros last year and paying 65,000 euros in tax, which is... 0.015. However, this structure then was used to fund the acquisition of the O2 uh, um, um, business in Ireland last year by three, and um, and it's uh, there's a there's an Irish company and an English company, and they all lead back to to these. Um, companies in Luxembourg and their interest payments going back to Luxembourg and so on. So this is somewhere like Luxembourg, the official corporation tax rate is uh, 29% and they're paying 0.015%. That's right. What what they seem to negotiate is they say, well, we're going to set up this company and it's going to have money coming in and money going out. So really you should sort of pretend in a way that that money is only skimming the surface of Luxembourg rather than going through it. And in return for that agreement, we'll pay you a small percentage of profit. And you've put it to, you know, like in terms of Hutchinson, Wamboa, I think it's PwC that's involved in this case. Uh, yeah. You know, I presume or they're not commenting as usual? Or? The, yeah, all the, all the, um, all the uh, tax agents, the, the, the big four firms are really saying that, um, you know, we, we're, we're, we're bound to client confidentiality, but... Uh, you know, all, everything we're involved in is is legal and above board, and that we all we have codes of conduct and so on, and our employees work according to these codes and so on. And the the, the other firm you've picked out column is Providence Equity, uh, which is a which is a name that wouldn't be you know a household name like say Skype is. Uh, who is this company, and uh, what do the LuxLeaks tell us about it? Yeah, um, well, one of just to step back for one second, one of the things that's emerged from looking at all these documents is these structures very often uh, 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 involve the use of Irish companies called Section 110 companies, which are special type of investment vehicles that are provided for in Irish law. And in this, um, 
this this structure set up by uh, Ernst and Young in uh, 2010 um, and and a New York-based uh, fund, um, Providence Equity Partners, private equity operation, set up had a, a Cayman Islands fund that in turn put money into a Luxembourg structure and the Luxembourg structure put the money into Section 110 companies in Ireland and then those companies invested in distressed media debt. This is 2010. In, in, I, I, the ones I could find were, they were TV operations in the United States. And as far as I can work out from, you know, I've, I've asked questions about this, but I haven't received any responses. But from looking at the accounts, what happens is the companies in the United States pay interest payments back to the Irish companies, which would reduce the American companies' uh, taxable profits. And then the Irish companies receive interest in and pay interest out so that they end up paying about €6,000 a year uh, in uh, or sorry, one and a half thousand euros a year, I think, uh, on six thousand euros profit, and they just have money coming in, money coming out, about ten million each way, and then that money ends up back in Luxembourg, and I presume goes from there on to the Cayman Islands. So it's a way of reducing your tax profits, uh, taxable profits in America, and the, the money uh, flows by way of interest payments back to Luxembourg. And uh, finally, Colm, you've picked out Black & Decker uh, and you're looking at companies which are not only based in Luxembourg but are also based in uh, glamorous Ballymount. Uh, can yes, you, <laughs> yes. Can, can you tell us about, like, like what, what, what is the drill maker and equipment maker? Like, what exactly are they up to and how have they structured the, their tax affairs? Yeah, well, they, um, the, the, this, um, these documents uh, show that... Uh, they negotiated this structure or an advanced tax agreement for this structure back as far as 2003. And um, the, 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 it involves an Irish company, which is now resident in Luxembourg, managed from Luxembourg, but still has an Irish address. And that company uh, recorded a profit of $520 million in 2012, paid no tax at all. It's a Lux Luxembourg tax resident company. And then uh, it receives dividend and income from another company and uh, that company has a branch office in Cork. It's a Luxembourg company, but it has a branch office in Cork. And um, the money actually came from the branch. The dividend actually came from the branch office in Cork. And the reason, as I understand it, why they do this is you set up these treasury operations, if you want, uh, in Luxembourg and um, but Luxembourg has a, a tax on, on what's called a net wealth tax on the assets of the of a company but you can set up a, a branch then in Ireland say that the, you move the assets to the branch and the branch can loan them back to the company in, in Luxembourg and then for net wealth tax purposes uh, you don't get tax in Luxembourg and so th these structures involving Black and Decker back and forth between Ireland and Luxembourg seem to be part of that and Colm, they're, they're the four companies that you've picked out uh, yourself to look at in, in depth uh, in the Irish Times. Uh, you're also carrying reports uh, from the from your colleagues in the International Consortium of Investigative Journalism uh, who have got these Lux leaks about uh, the rather colourful Koch, I hope I pronounced that correctly, brothers. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me about it? Who are these people and, uh, and what are they doing in Luxembourg? Yeah, well, um, David and Charles Koch are... Uh, pretty well-known people in America because the their Koch Industries is the second largest privately owned company in America, has a turnover in excess of $100 billion per annum. And um, I think they inherited the uh, 
the, the business from their father and it's involved in oil, but then downstream it's moved into plastics and pretty much everything that you can make out of out of oil and it's involved in gas. And it has a very high profile in America to do with in the environment and so on. And uh, the Koch brothers um, fund a lot of cultural and educational programs and so on, but they're also heavily involved in uh, funding political movements and uh, um, and uh, I think they, they've been involved in funding some think tanks and so on that would be questioning uh, uh, human involvement in climate change and so on. They're, they're major funders of the Tea Party. Uh, it's said that Charles and his wife um, uh, gave $2 million to politicians in 2014 the, and David gave $2.4 million and between them they have this thing called the Freedom Partners Action Fund gave $2 million. These are all in in, uh, in uh, 2014. They have a um, they have a, an organisation called the Americans for Prosperity, which uh, promotes the Tea Party or funds the Tea Party. And people might have heard these, of these things called super PACs, which are organisations set up to promote particular agendas and they get very heavily involved in election campaigns and so on. And they would be uh, associated with well-funded super PACs. Whatever about Colm, you know, right wing, you know, billionaire brothers who are fond of the Tea Party and believe that, you know, that there should be governments should be smaller and that maybe the, 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 the rich should pay less tax uh, mm. in order to create more jobs or whatever they might argue. Yes. Uh, you've also picked, they've also picked up on the ICIJ, have picked up on Disney, uh, which is somebody that you, you, you wouldn't maybe wouldn't expect uh, to be using tax havens to uh, reduce their tax bills. Well, I suppose it depends where you're coming from. I mean, Walt Disney is a big, huge uh, multinational company. And I suppose th- one of the things that's emerging from these uh, documents is that it, it wants to reach a certain scale. You know, somebody's knocking you on your door, uh, giving you tax advice and telling you where to go and where are the best places to go. And Walt, Walt or Dis- the Disney company, with the help of Ernst & Young back in 2009, decided to set up a very s- substantial operation in Luxembourg, which has... Um, you know, spokes going off to to different countries around the world, and tr- trans, you know, an off complex uh, web of transactions and loans and the usual sort of stuff going back and forth and back and forth, which no doubt has a, a beneficial effect on their effective tax rate. And to bring you in, Suzanne, uh, you're listening to all this. It's it's all highly highly complicated stuff uh, involving big name brands. Uh, if you look back to November when we had the first tranche of, of LuxLeaks coming out uh, and now we've got a, a second tranche uh, coming out in December, do you think that they're having much impact in Europe? Are people talking about it? Yes, I think it, it very much has had a huge impact on the whole debate about corporate tax here in Brussels, um, mainly because Jean-Claude Juncker um, was the Prime Minister of Luxembourg when these tax rulings um, were struck between Luxembourg and these 343 companies that were revealed in the original batch. Um, and then he assumed um, leadership of the European Commission for a five-year term on the 1st of November. And this actually prompted a lot of people to believe that this whole um, expose was, was p- timed, uh, was, was politically motivated uh, to coincide with the beginning of his reign. Um, so the pressure was on Jean-Claude Juncker to respond uh, to the allegations. Um, he, he did, he faced the press within a week of the allegations um, being published. And um, he stressed that he had done nothing illegal, that these tax rulings were, were completely legal. Um, but at the same time, he pledged to put tax avoidance and corporate tax 
planning at the heart of the next European Commission. So, I mean, for this is not really good news for Ireland. Um, we can remember a few years back the whole issue of corporate tax and the, the CCCTB, that's a common consolidated corporate tax base, was very much on the agenda, being pushed by France in particular. But it, it really fell off the agenda during the height of the Eurozone crisis. But now it's pretty much back on, back in focus. Um, Juncker has talked about reviving the CCCTB. He's talked about um, introducing a new system whereby countries would be forced to publish their tax rulings and share them with other countries. We should see a directive on that um, early in the new year. Um, so we're seeing very much a push at an EU level, at the European Commission level, to try and, and take some kind of an EU-wide approach to this issue of corporate tax avoidance. And Colm, do you, do you agree with Suzanne there so where she says, you know, it's not good news for Ireland? I mean, when, when we look at these Luxembourg companies, uh, a lot of them have got billions floating around indeed or have very few or zero employees. Is it not fair that, like, you know, in Ireland there there is a difference in that the, the multinationals who are based here, you know, that they often have invested quite considerable amounts of money here? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's obviously one of the issues is these multinational companies are reasonably mobile and this money is reasonably mobile. Um, so there's a lot of different um, uh, serious political actors uh, involved at, at the moment in this. And uh, so predicting where it's going to go, you know, isn't isn't a very exact science or where it might go. But on the CCTB, there was a conference here in Dublin last week and the the OECD is trying to organise a lot of sovereign states to uh, agree on a new, a new set of rules, a new set of codes, whatever you want to call it. It's a tricky enough uh, thing to, to achieve. Um, and at the moment, they're not talking about CCCTB and people think, well, if you can get a new regime organised, you know, that'll be great. So they don't, a lot of people don't see this as a flyer, the common consolidated well, corporate tax true. base. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just to come in on that, mm. uh, Colm, you're, you're absolutely right in that. It's not just Ireland that's resistant to the CCTB, it's it's Germany also. And like the, the issue with the European Union system, it's such a lengthy, protracted process that, OK, Juncker and the Commission might initiate this legislation, but it has to get the agreement of member states in the Parliament, uh, sorry, member states in the Council. And really, this came up with a breakfast briefing in Brussels this week, uh, organised by IBEC and Catherine Day, the Irish lady who's, the, who's at the top of the European Commission, the Secretary General, she made the point, and this is the key point, that at the end of the day, taxation is, is a sovereign issue. And under the EU treaties, on most things to do with tax, you need all agreements by all 28 member states to push something through. Now, there is room to do certain things, like on VAT, maybe um, on fraud, evasion, and that kind of thing. But when it comes to setting corporate tax rates, um, it's it's the prerogative of member states. So there is there is the other side of this. And well, how how much can the EU actually achieve um, on taxation? I think um, that's, but, that's but, the core of it because I think a lot of people think it's a very tricky global situation. America is obviously a huge player. The OECD is moving terribly, terribly fast and seems to be focusing in essentially on what you call transfer pricing. It's how one arm of a multinational uh, deals with another arm, which brings us back to this issue of in Luxembourg you've got all these legal entities sent, set up they have one or no employee and so on and they're moving millions and hundreds of millions of, of euros around and people are saying that doesn't have any substance you know, the, the, the subsidiaries that are that are making this they're making the real decisions making the real wealth they have to pay the tax where they are and one of the advantages that Ireland has is that unlike a lot of these companies we're mentioning 
these Luxembourg subsidiaries, a lot of the operations here have real substance. They have lots of employees. And that's a trick. That's not something that Luxembourg could do very easily. They can't yeah. su- suddenly get all these brass place offices and fill them with 200 youngsters, you know, doing IP work or whatever. That's It's a small little place. But Ireland has these very substantial uh, technology and pharma companies and so on. So th- on yeah. one level, the debate seems to be pushing towards that kind of model. Yeah, just to come in on that, um, Ireland, I mean, Ireland does get a lot of bad press over this. There's no two ways about it. Um, and we saw last week um, the finance minister of France, Germany, initially writing a letter to economics commissioner, Pierre Moscovici, saying we need, mentioning things like tax harmonisation. So politically, Ireland is in a very, very small minority um, in terms of, of, you know, trying to defend its its corporate tax regime. But in saying that, there are, there are other mechanisms that other countries use. For example, these patent boxes that are now emerging. Um, uh, ten countries, not including Ireland, um, are the Commission has already um, asked for information about how these patent boxes work. And it's a similar system. It's, it's, it's based on a transfer pricing system where companies can slash their tax bills on the activity that's derived from, from patented or intellectual property activity. And there's big questions to be asked about how these are being used. Um, that again, this issue that Colin was talking about, about substance, this is the new buzzword, that you need to have substantial economic activity that the, that the, to, to draw down these, these tax um, tax codes. Um, so, I mean, I think a lot of Irish officials would say, well, hang on, let's have a look and see what other countries, the UK, for example, is a big user of patent boxes, and that has annoyed Germany a lot. Now, it looks like they, they, they come to some agreement this week on trying to um, clarify the rules around patent boxes. But it is true that Ireland, you know, is not just a sole player in this, and that there is a widespread use of different tax systems and throughout the European Union and, and between different member states. And Colm, when you look at the LuxLeaks project, uh, you know, it's, it's oh, these are, we, we don't know the source of these documents. We know that there's quite a considerable amount of them. Uh, but like, how secret are they really? I mean, if you went to the Luxembourg company's office, uh, you know, like if, if Europe is, if, you, if Europe really wanted to find out how are, are the tax structures, uh, or how are things structured between Ireland and Luxembourg, could they not just find out if they wanted to anyway. Yeah, I think that's kind of the funny thing about it. I don't mean to to to, to do down my own stories or, or, or the stories of all my colleagues in the consortium, but uh, when you see the tax agreements, which are confidential documents, then you, you see the companies that are named in them and you, you can get their accounts from the Luxembourg uh, Companies Register and you can see how much tax they're paying and what the relationship is with other companies and how little tax they're paying in the vast sum. And there, there, there are databases quoted by the OECD and others where you can see the vast amounts of money, corporate money that's going into and go, coming out of um, um, Luxembourg. So in a way, this is all hidden in front of your face. It's all It's always been there. And... I presume, well, well, um, you know, the, obviously Price Waterhouse, Coopers, Ernst and Young, Deloitte, and all those people knew knew all about it because they have huge gleaming offices in uh, in Luxembourg, and they're always looking for new employees to run these things, you know, and um, so it's very much there. So it's not hidden, but what's happened is it's been driven onto the political agenda by all this outrage by people who are, you know, paying their water charges and and are not paying their water charges and, uh, you know, getting tax hikes and getting their services cut all the time. And then reading in the paper that these companies with with which they have a very intimate relationship with, you know, Facebook and Google and so on, and um, and which they know are enormously profitable, uh, are not paying any tax. And it's I think for the first time, international tax 
whereas domestic tax has always been a huge political issue, but international tax um, arrangements have now become a huge political issue. And Suzanne, would you agree that, you know, like this is something that, as Colm said, it was hidden in front of Europe's face. Uh, do you think that there is the political will to do something about it this time? Or do you think that this is something that could, you know, kick off some more outrage, but pretty much die out over Christmas? No, I, I think Colm's absolutely right. It, it has struck a chord, probably in countries throughout Europe. Um, more so than Ireland, I think Irish people are kind of accepting of the system. We, we know about our corporate tax rate and we're happy with that. But in countries like Germany, Finland, like this was, was an election issue in these countries about co- uh, clamping down on corporate tax payment. But in saying that, I think the issue can only be solved at an international level rather than an EU level. Um, I mean, the whole problem in a very simple way is that tax codes and, and tax systems were devised before globalisation and they are not equipped to deal with a globalised economy. Um, so the involvement of the U.S. Is, is hugely important in this. So, I mean, how much the EU can do or really should do is really a secondary issue. But unfortunately, because of the Jean-Claude Juncker link, it has put it at an EU level. Um, but really, I think the OECD process will, will end up superseding anything that happens at EU le- level, essentially. And um, apart from the, the public anger, uh, again, at this conference last week, the, the point was made, and it's a very good point that the the multinationals are what they like is stability they want to know where they're going to pay their taxes what they're going to pay and so on and they, they plan these you know global structures and so on they want to know what's going to happen and what's really a nightmare for them is if countries start arguing over i should be allowed to tax this and you shouldn't be allowed to tax it and so on and um if countries start introducing unilateral rules like this UK global ta- Google tax, so-called Google tax and so on, which is a bit of a, it's not, not very clear what that means. And uh, and so if you get people saying to hell with this, our people, our people are you're not putting up with this anymore and we're going to impose 25% tax on your turnover or whatever, you know, the, and if the international cooperation between all these sovereign states starts to break down, it's really bad for, for multinationals. So I think they are well aware and the OECD is well aware that this, trying to get a new set of rules that are seen to work and and and, and, and lance the boil of public anger is very much in the interests of global business. And just finally, Colm, uh, you've got nine articles in Wednesday's edition of the Irish Times, both by yourself and your colleagues in the ICIJ uh, yeah. and Suzanne. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there much more to come, do you know? are we? Go- is there going to be a follow-up day's coverage uh, or, or what can you say about what's going to happen next? Well, I don't think you can say what's going to happen next, you know, but I think this this uh, story is not going to go away and I think the, at you know, the highest levels of uh, government in Europe and America and elsewhere, uh, there's a realisation that this, this problem has to be fixed or if people are going to continue to read about companies making hundreds of millions and not paying any tax, they're going to get more and more annoyed and there will be a reaction one way or the other. Colm Keena, Irish Times Public Affairs Correspondent and Suzanne Lynch, the Irish Times European Correspondent. Uh, thanks for coming on this week's Irish Times Business and Technology Podcast. And that's it for this week's Irish Times Business and Technology Podcast. I'm Tom Lyons. My producer was Sinead O'Shea and sound engineer was Gary White. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.